Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Hey, today we are in chapter 9. Oh, go ahead and open up your Bible to chapter 9. I'm a little rusty. I haven't been up here for a week. All right, chapter 9 um, of the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be jumping into that. I'll give you the title in a moment. So last time I was here for chapter 7, um, I gave the longest title that I've probably ever given in a sermon message. Do you guys remember what it was called? Lord, Yes, front row, A+. Plus. Teach us to number our days so that we can grow in wisdom. What a, what a title, but if you were here, you saw why we called it that. So what I did was today, this might be the shortest title I've ever given my message. I said I have to come through for the team. If I gave the longest title in chapter 7, I'm going to give the, the shortest title. And today's title, here it is. Are you ready for it? It's titled, Do Well. That's it. Just do well. Do well. That's, that's today's uh, message on the sun today. Do well. Do well. But before we get started with this uh, ninth installment of our series here, um, church, I, I wanted to um, have some, some crazy news for you and something that I... I, I, I had to tell you today, but I wanted to prepare you for this, uh, but there's no greater way to announce it than just to come up here and say it straightforward. And as I was getting ready for this message, I said, I think this is the way I'm going to do it because I freak out when it comes to these things. And now that I have all of your attention, I can start the message. Here it is. Guys, it's already March. <laughs> when I was doing my message and I was putting the date, I had to think about it and say, how is it March already? It's just something that I don't understand. I just want you to know what goes into my brain. I think those, thing, those things cause me to wonder in life. Like, where's time going? Where is it going? So, so it's something that makes no sense to me. It's meaningless. It's vanity under the sun. I'm just going to quote it of King Solomon. But I can't believe it's March already. And uh, is it going out? Is it going in and out? Yeah. Let's give it up for Vanessa coming through. Amen. So ha- happy March 3rd. This is a, uh, a special week for you guys that do not know. Give them a hug. George and Natalie just celebrated their how many years? 16 years of marriage. Wait a minute. So wait, I've been married 15 years then. I said at 930 huddle was 16. All right. Um, um, the Pookies, also, a.k.a. Claudia and Rudy, today are celebrating s- today seven years of marriage. Yes. And Nancy and I will also be celebrating on Thursday our anniversary of years of marriage. Amen? I think something's wrong with the mic. But, um... But amen. So, so it's a special, it's a special, um, a special week for, for some of our families here. And if there's someone that I missed, forgive me. 
um, we celebrate you as well. But time's flying, time's moving quickly. Um, I hope that in our nine weeks together, as of right now, that this uh, series through the book of Ecclesiastes has truly called you out to examine, to examine yourself under the sun. I know that it has numerous times with me. And what we've learned is that the word vanity is used a lot. That's why I used it when I spoke about it being March 3rd already. The word vanity, if you remember in week one, that was nine weeks ago, we broke down what that word means. And the word vanity means vapor. That's what that word means. The word vanity is smoke, a mist. Okay, it is all fleeting. When Solomon says all is vanity, all is meaningless, it means that it's just fleeting, that nothing has come to the place of truly satisfying as he takes an examination of everything in the world, women and money and work and riches, nothing. He says all of it is vanity. It doesn't fully satisfy under the sun. And what we've said is, that under the sun, we must be under the sun, the S-O-N, correct? So in this chapter, we'll start with this thought, the thought that death will come to all. Now you're like, again? I know, you don't understand. I almost wanted to skip this chapter. Let me tell you why. This is what preachers go through. In chapter 7, I spent 45 minutes speaking about death. And then I'm like, goodness, I haven't been there for a week. I'm going to come back and open up and say, we're going to speak some more about death. But you can't blame me. You have to blame Solomon. Amen? <laughs> I promise you, I'm just going chapter by chapter. It really is his fault. Don't be scared. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Mentally, I'm well. I feel good. It's just chapter 9 speaks about death again, so I have to address it. And chapter 7 spoke about death. Pastor Max got lucky on chapter 8 because he kind of let death loose a little bit. Solomon did. But now he goes on a rant again. So here I go, <laughs> starting to speak on death. But there, is there an echo? You guys hear it? It's just me? Okay, I'll just ignore it. Pray for me. Death. Now... As I thought about chapter 7 and now going to chapter 9, I said, well, this is, this is what I thought. I said as I was preparing, I said, I can't avoid it. I can't run from it. And I said, as I speak on death to you, when we look at that word, you can't avoid it. You can't ignore it. You can try all you want, but it will come to meet you face to face one day. Last uh, Monday, we, that just passed, I... We're praying for my uncle, and I appreciate those that have been praying for my family and for my uncle. I know I'm joking around up here and, you know, trying to make you guys smile a little bit. Um, but life is also hard as we're up here throwing jokes around because my uncle uh, is struggling uh, to, to, to just live. And uh, so keep my uncle in prayer as he's in Key West, and we went to go visit him. I don't know... Uh, how much time he has. I, I'm trying to be sensitive because I know family watches this. And, but just pray for my uncle and pray for his heart. Pray that the Lord would just reveal himself in a, in a powerful way. But even in his situation battling the cancer as he is, 
it's something that you just can't avoid. You, you, you can't ignore that you're going to face it one day in your life. So with all the joking, there's also like a heaviness behind the joking that when you lay down in bed, you take deep breaths because it's all heavy in your heart. So one pastor says this, uh, and I wanted to quote him. He says, for those who don't know the Lord, listen to these words. This life will be as good as it gets for those who don't know the Lord. But for those who know the Lord, this life is as bad as it will ever be. Isn't that awesome? If you know the Lord, when we are confronted with death, there's like a grin in the believer. Ready? Death comes knocking and there's like this little... Because we know that everything is about to get so much better. And that's the promise to the believer that in our passing, there is something greater that awaits us. To the one who is not a believer, their life that they just had was the best that they're going to get. How many of you could praise the Lord that you've come to know him and that the day that you have to confront it, you can say, oh, everything I just experienced cannot be hold to comparison to what I'm about to walk into. Think about that for your life. Now, when you do that, when you leave here today, shouldn't that call you and I to walk and live our lives a little bit differently? <laughs> when you have that mindset, someone looks at you and says, why are you always smiling? Because you look at them and you say, because I always win. Why are you so joyful? Because do you know where my kingdom is? Like, imagine... You coming to take a grip and believe in the eternity that awaits you. The stresses, the anxieties, and the worries of this lifetime will disintegrate before the truth of the eternity that stands before you. Imagine the greater life. You guys spend thousands of dollars to go see people like, what is his name, Robbins? The motivational speaker? Tony Robbins to fill up the, the Kaseya Center and to pump you up to tell you how to live a it's motivated life. And all I have to tell you is one sentence that Tony Robbins can't tell you. And it's when you take your last breath on earth, you will take your first breath before the throne of God and you will live in eternity. Put me in an arena and I'll say that statement and that crowd will go, I mean, come on, imagine what you and I are part of. Need to enjoy life a little bit more, Christians. Come on. Stop moping. Stop complaining. Stop griping. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. Practice your smiling today. Practice your joy today. Put it to practice. Because you are a citizen of heaven. I need to start preaching. Let's see if I could get going here. So two weeks ago, we learned this, that as a believer dies, it just gets better. Everyone say, it just gets better. You know what? I kept it do well. Maybe I should have named it, does, it just gets better. Anyways, that's the, that'll be, there's another chapter about death. Don't worry about it. We'll talk, we'll talk about it. It just gets better. 
have a question for you. As I just shared you that little introduction, do you live with this world in mind? The stresses, the anxieties, the problems of this world, or do you live with the promise of heaven in mind and in heart? You need to answer that for yourself. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, death comes to all, is what one Bible translation calls the first six verses. I'm going to read it to you. Just flow with me. Verse 1 says, this too, Solomon writes, I carefully explored. He's exploring the land. He's exploring his life and everything that he has witnessed and encountered and experimented with. And he says, even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, <clears throat> clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. Verse 3, it seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. There is hope only for the living. As they say, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, which is all these things, right? Loving and hating and envying, etc., 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 is all long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on earth. I want to pause here for a moment, and we'll, we'll get into some of the, the mind behind what Solomon is writing here. But I want you to know this as we're studying through Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and we just read the first five, six verses, and it's this. Ready? These first six verses does not mean that God is bad. Don't sit here confused and say, wait a minute, what am I even doing in church today? This is not what I thought God is. God must be a very mean and frustrated father in heaven, a God who's got this scepter and he wants to strike people dead. God must be an angry old man in heaven. This does not mean that that's God. God is not frustrated and mad. God is not bad. God is not angry up in heaven. You might be here and say, well, why should I live this life if we get the same end as everyone else? Look at what Solomon is saying. Oh my goodness, I don't want this, God. Verse 2, he says, whether you're righteous or wicked, good, bad, clean, unclean, religious or irreligious. He says this in verse 2. So don't misunderstand what Solomon is saying. That we don't get the same end in regards to judgment and eternity. But what we do have... What we have in common is we get the same fate, the same destiny when it comes to death. It's this, that we will all face death. And I want us to see that as we're reading through these first six verses, that yes, every single one, clean or unclean, good or bad, it doesn't matter who you are, we will all come to the place where we will face death. And we spoke about this, as I already told you earlier, in chapter 7. It's nothing new. Nothing's new under the sun. That death is the destiny of every man. We, we broke that statement down two weeks ago. That death is the destiny of every man. So what Solomon is doing is he's following up with what he's already said in chapter 7. He's almost repeating it again in chapter 9. So we've come to understand that the book of Ecclesiastes, you should write this down, it speaks a lot of destiny. Everyone say destiny. 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 
So as I like to do often in these last nine weeks is to ask a lot of questions. And we've been ending every single sermon with questions, like two or three questions. So here's a question for you. Have you thought of your final destination? Like what is your final destination? What is your final destiny? If there's anything that you should think a lot about, is that. Think about your destiny and think about it often. I want you to, to see what this is asking us to, to really think about here. Like Solomon, you might want to ask some questions like, wait a minute, if I'm going to consider the day that I come face to face with my death, I better start asking questions before I'm confronted with that. I, I better start investigating my life. I, I better start searching within if I'm if if I know like that's the like that's the scariest thing you know. I don't understand people that say if I could know the day that I'm gonna die, I would love to know it. Like no way. I don't want to know it. Just let it surprise me. I'm here. Like okay, I have no other choice. I don't want to know that because then I'm gonna be thinking like no, oh my God, I'm gonna be counting down the days, the minutes, the hours. I'm going to have it on my phone, the clock, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 I can't do it. Not this guy, I just can't. That, that doesn't work for me. For some of you guys, maybe type A or whatever, maybe you guys don't go, no, that's what I need. I need to know exactly so I can finish all the things that I need to do for that day. I don't know. Not me. I'll just wing it all. And we'll just live our best life here on earth, try, you know, try our best till we get there. But have you thought about the end? Well, Solomon did and does in this book. He's thinking a lot about his end because now he's older in his years. And he's like, I've had all the money in the world. I was worth $2 trillion. Remember that? What did the $2 trillion do? He searches in his heart. I'm still empty. I had about 700 women. What did 700 women do? He looks deep in his heart and says, I'm still empty. I've had children. I've had palaces. I've had armies. I've had land. I've mastered everything that my hand has touched in anything that is, deals with any kind of work. I've built buildings that make people drop their jaws. I've built God a house. I'm Solomon. I built God a house. Did you guys know that? He built God his temple. I'm Solomon. And what does he do? He builds himself a palace. And he looks within. He says, I'm still empty. All is vanity. He writes words like all is vanity. And us, humanity, we read these words from a, from a two-time trillionaire, from a man who had 700 women, from a man who had buildings, mansions, uh, forget that, palaces, from a man who built God a temple, from a man whose kingdom was stretched, and, and, and kings and queens from all over the world would come to sit at his table to hear the wisdom that he had to share, from the man that if he had social media, um, um, Kylie Jenner wouldn't be able to touch the followers that King Solomon would have. I mean, he would probably blow up Instagram because of how many followers he would have. I mean, I mean, King Solomon we're talking about, who is known as the wisest and one of the greatest men to ever walk on the earth. And he comes to the end of his old age and he says, all of it is just vanity. Well, give me two trillion. And let me see if it's all vanity. He says, trust me, it is. 
the trillions didn't answer it. The women didn't answer it. The palaces didn't answer it. It's fading. Oh, hi. So Solomon, the wealthiest and wisest man who tries and makes the greatest of wines, the women, the wealth, the work ends up with everything meaningless. And it left him the same. And it left him with a void. And it left him with emptiness inside. And he asks some questions. Because everyone's going to die, so I have some questions to ask. And here's some of the questions he asks. Question number one. What's the point of seeking wisdom if we'll die just like fools? I don't think we have it. What's the point of seeking wisdom if we'll die just like fools? He says things like Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Some seven weeks ago we said both will die since I will end up the same as the fool. What's the value of my wisdom? This is all meaningless for the wise and the fool both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. And he asks these questions through his writing. What's the point then of wisdom? Number two, he says, what's the point of striving for wealth when everything goes to someone else? He says in chapter two as well, verse 18 and 19, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth. Can you imagine that? A man who built an empire and at the end of his life, he says, I've come to hate everything I built. Imagine working so hard at your trade, but God was never in it. And at the end of your life, you've come to hate everything that your name is, is associated with. God there. He says this, for I myself must leave to others everything I have earned. And who could tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish, yet they will control everything I have gained my, by my skill and hard work under the sun. And look what he says, how meaningless. Question number two, what's the point of striving for wealth when everything goes to someone else? Number three, what's the point for human beings if we're all going to die like animals. Pastor Javier came over here and he shared a great teaching on, on this verse. In Ecclesiastes 3, he says, For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe, both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless, he says again. Vanity, he says. Both go to the same place. They come from dust and they return to dust. He says, what's the point if we're just like animals? And he asks another question that we just asked as we started off today's message, and it's what's the point of being a good person if we're all going to die just like those who are bad, like the wicked? And I'll read this verse one more time. The same destiny awaits everyone, whether righteous, unrighteous, good or bad, righteous or wicked, sorry, clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. He breaks down all these things in verse 2 and 3, and he asks some questions. You know why Solomon's asking questions? Because he's thinking about his destiny. So there's some truth to all of Solomon's questions. The fact of the matter is that the wise and the wise, the wise and the unwise alike will die. The righteous and the unrighteous alike die. There's truth to this. Human beings and animals, guess what? Alike die. 
The rich and the poor alike die. Death is common to all. Death, listen to this, is no respecter of persons. And I'm seeing that closely today, today in this day with my family. We all die. And in that sense, Solomon was right in all of his observations. You guys are with me? But, there's a but. Where Solomon went wrong was the way he thought about death. And I want to clarify that today. And I already did, but now I'll break it down a little bit more. See, the way we think about death has absolutely everything to do with how you live your life here on earth. Write this down. Our view of death will ultimately have significance in how we live our lives. <laughs> See, viewing death as the end. Everyone say the end. Viewing death as the end leads a person to make decisions to do whatever they want, however they want, with whoever they want. Because death is the end. But listen to this. Viewing death as the start. Everyone say the start. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's the person that sees death as the start, and there's people that see death as the end. Question, beloved church, here we go. How do you view death? The way you view death is the way you view the way you live your life right now on earth. <clears throat> do you view it as the end, or do you view it as the start of all things? Those who view it as the start, as the starting line, okay? We look at all that God has prepared for us, who believe in Him, and it will lead us to live our lives with heaven in mind while still living life with earthly realities. I want you to grasp that. One, one person, I think it was a theologian, says this. It's having one eye on the present and one eye on the promise. So Solomon may, may, may have seen death as a great thief. As you read verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, like, gosh, Solomon, his, 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 his words, it's like he's looking at death as a bad thing, as a negative thing. And how am I as a Christian supposed to believe in death? And Solomon looks at it as a robber, as a thief who comes into his life. But we, as believers, can come to see death as the end that makes everything right. Can you imagine that? The day that I die is the day that everything is made right. And someone next to you will look at you that doesn't know Christ, that you lost your mind. Who thinks like that? Those who kingdom is not of this world. Those whose kingdom is not of this world. Those are the ones that think like that. Are you ready for what is to come? Here's that question, because I'm going to ask it at the end, but I need to move from it. Have you thought about your destiny? If we're honest, most of us haven't. But I have this last week. I have. So those children that drive you nuts, you hug them a little tighter. Because death is real. 
that person you're with, you tell them you love them a little bit more. Because death is real. And you start to live your life a little bit more joyful on this side. You start to enjoy it a little bit more. <laughs> that complaining you starts to, to dwindle away. And it starts to disintegrate. And you start to say, I've got to enjoy life more. Because anyways, I'm a child of light. <laughs> and what good is my light shining in the middle of my complaining? Doesn't make sense, does it? God, isn't that good? I, I want you to know this. Maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you're here today and you're like, tell me, tell me something. Good. And it's this, that God has prepared something for everyone who believes. And it's going to be something that no movie, that no book, that no theologian, that no philosopher, that no scholar can come close to explaining and can draw it out for us. What God has for the one who comes to believe in him is something that my English vocabulary does not have the words to describe. So in, very, in my very simple elementary way, I will say what God has prepared for us is truly out of this world. Can you smile? It's out of this world. I don't know about you, but I got plans to walk on streets of gold. I don't know about you, but I'm going to see angels whose eyeballs are within them and without them and on their wings. And when they flap their wings, it's like a mighty sounding rushing water and they sing holy. Like I have uh, an appointment to get there and be there one day. Anyone with me? Yeah. My citizenship is there. It belongs there. And it's going to be out of this world. And scripture, I don't even have enough time to go through all the scripture that reminds us of this. But in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says that no eye has seen, ear has heard, mind has even conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Imagine all the things your eyes have seen, all the things your ears have heard, all the things that your mind has conceived. And yet... What he has prepared for you, your eye hasn't come close to see it, your ears haven't come close to hearing it, and your mind hasn't come close to even understand it. Those are the things that God has for those who trust him. Amen. And I'm waiting for it. In Romans 8, he says, I consider that our present sufferings, here we are on earth, but watch how joyful our sufferings on earth can be are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Oh my goodness, is life hard sometimes? But wait a minute, when life is hard sometimes, look at the glory that awaits you. In 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Friends, I urge you. What does he call us? It's a reminder to you. I knew you knew. I know you know this all the time. Some of you about the person sitting next to you, but you're an alien. That's who you are, and that's what Scripture calls you and I. I'm an alien. I am a foreigner, an alien. I'm an, I don't belong here. I am a stranger in this world. How many of you are aliens in this world? 
And that's what Scripture is reminding us. We're aliens because we do not belong here. We belong to another kingdom. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, there's a part in that verse that says again, and I'll repeat it again and again, that our citizenship, it does not belong to the state of Florida of the great United States of America. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. Why do you think all the kingdoms are collapsing? Why do you think everyone's... The, the, November's coming, and you and I, none of us in this room, have a slight of an idea of who to vote for. Why are we in this position? Because this ain't our kingdom. Our kingdom is heaven, and we belong to it. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's it. So the world's collapsing, and the, and the and economy's collapsing, and people are stressed out, and you can't trust governments no more, but our government has no end. There's one who sits on his throne, and he's always sat on his throne. He sat on his throne yesterday, he sits on his throne today, and he sits on his throne forevermore. And you and I are citizens of this kingdom that no enemy, that no pollution, that nothing will be able to come in and to destroy it. It is a kingdom that is holy without blemish forever, and whose gates are always open because no evil can ever come into it and penetrate it. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's what we are. Imagine going to work believing that tomorrow. Imagine what you'll do at your job. You'll, you'll blow that place up with the gospel. You'll blow that place up with what you know. They'll look at you and say, what happened? And you can tell them I've been looking at the wrong passport all these years. I belong to heaven. So take note of this and have great joy that this is not as good or as great as it gets. I love this phrase and I can't exhaust it enough. And it's this, the good new days are before us. The good new days, not the good old days, the good new days. So church, I say this with wherever you're at in life right now. Here it is. Your life is in God's hand. He is in control, has not lost control, not once. And not only is your life in his hands and he is in control, but you haven't come close to even taste the fullness of what he has for you. And I hope that can make you smile today that you know that your God has so much more for you. Amen. Psalm 31.15 tells us that my times are in your hands. Another translation says my future is in your hand. Isaiah 41.10 says don't be afraid, church, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand so when life gets hard you trust in the lord with your life please know this because nothing is a mystery to him to you it is you may say why did they have to die why did they have to get sick why did i have to get laid off why did that have to happen to my child but I want you to come to the place where you trust in the Lord. He wants you, forget what I want. He wants you to come to the place to trust in him. 
because none of your mysteries are mysteries to him. He is in total control. Amen? Maybe you haven't fully understood it yet, but he understands it fully and he will show you with time. So if you're drifting off course this morning, if the waters are getting too rough for you, if the road is getting too bumpy, here's your encouragement. Stay on course. Stay on course. Trust in him because he has us. I intend, and I hope you do, I intend to walk in the promises that he has for me. How many of you intend to walk in the promises that God has for you? All right. I guess we could end the service. Verse 7, enjoy life with the one you love. We'll save this for Saturday, right? So go ahead, eat your food with joy, drink your wine, and with a, wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. <laughs> it also says in a different translation, let your head lack no oil or let it drip with oil. This translation says, put some cologne on. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is a reward for all your earthly toil. Hmm, Solomon, at your old life, now you're going to tell us this? After you've had 700 women? <laughs> He's like, yeah, just, sorry, I had 700. Just enjoy the one that God gave you. <laughs> do you see how this stuff makes sense? He's like, I thought 700 would do it. I should have enjoyed the, one, the wife that God gave me. Whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, guess what? Whatever you do, verse 10, whatever you do, there's your message, do well. You do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Just do well. Right now, whatever you do, church, do well. So yeah, when, when you go to the grave, all that is with you on earth here is no more with you. So many people live, live to hoard and, and achieve and do so much on earth. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. But at least know that if that's you, it doesn't go to the grave with you. None of the riches... None of the fame, none of the popularity, none of the achievements, none of this. And I have to learn and come to the place of what's the most important thing. So enjoy. Solomon is saying this side of eternity some. Enjoy it, huh? That as Christians, I've already told you this, we should, have you ever thought about this? That we should be the most glad and joyful people on this earth. Think about that for a moment. Should we as Christians not be the most joyful people on this earth? So what are we doing? How come the world is more joyful than us? How come the one who is going to perish in hell for all eternity is living their life and coming to work on Monday like, guys, I'm here. Cheers. And we're just like, God is good. Like, not, not like that. He's not. Have you ever thought about that? I have. I've moped, I've complained about my very own home. I've complained about the very own person I'm with. 
I've complained about so many things that truly deep down inside I'm grateful for. But it's a state, it's a state that I'm in with the Lord that causes me to be miserable when really if I am with God and God is with me, I should be the most joyful person. I should be floating in the air. And people could say, you need to come down every once in a while and be normal like us. Then I have to say, I can't because I belong to a kingdom and to a king who has no end. You're like, you guys understanding this? Enjoy life a little bit more. Practice your smiling. I'm trying it. I'm doing it. Trust me, I'm doing it. I'm practicing it. The days that I don't want to, I'm going to do it. I'm good. I'm going to teach the misery within me that there's joy in this heart. I'm going to conquer it, the anxiety of the mind, with the promises of the Lord. What's more truth to me, the believer? The anxieties of my heart or the promises of God? So what am I going to rest on? Do well. Do well. Do well. Someone said this, and I quote them, don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Come on, there's good food to still try, church. How many of us are ready to go try some good food? Don't settle for McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're bad for you, man. They don't make you, trust me, I had them the other day. I couldn't go to sleep at night. It's horrible. Yeah, I've come to realize I think it's fake food. And you don't, when you get to your 40s, you eat a McDonald's burger, you don't sleep that night. Ah, it's weird. You start eating pizza and you start getting heartburns. It's the weirdest thing. Your body starts saying it's not good. <laughs> like, oh, that's why my stomach blew up a little a year ago. <laughs> it's not good. Come on, there's still good food to try. Church, I'm going to encourage you. Come on, get dressed up here and there every once in a while. Come on, put some cologne on. Girls, ladies, women, come on, put some perfume on. We're getting older. Time is passing. Today is already March 3rd, 2024. Most of what we worry about, guess what? Guess what, church? Talking to myself, I wish there was a huge mirror in front of me. Trust me, I'm not picking on any of you today. If I am picking on anyone, it's me. <laughs> Here it is. Regal, guess what? Most of what we worry about, we have no control of. So, so church, can I tell you something? Put on his garments and attract the world with the beauties of Jesus Christ. And church, whatever you do, do well. Serve someone and serve something other than yourself. Be full-hearted, thinking of others. Share things. Have strength and energy. Think how you can help and be a part of someone else's achievement. Come on, do well. I love Isaiah chapter 61. Well, before I get into that, don't be lazy is what the Lord shared with me. Rigo, don't be half-hearted. Don't be double-minded. Don't be narcissistic. Don't be filled with self-interest, selfish, thinking only of your gain. But do well. Serve someone else. 
Man, when someone else succeeds, have a party for them and say, what are you doing this for? Because I want to celebrate you, brother. I want to celebrate you, sister. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with their success. And you know what? Pump them up and lift them up and, and give God the glory for their life. You're going to feel better when your eyes are on someone else other than yourself. Church, do well with this life that you have. So that when you go down to the grave, that person could say, that guy, when he looked at me and he spoke, he always spoke and he always lifted me up higher than him. It was all like he served me well. Don't be about yourself and about your own gain. Come on, do well. In Isaiah 61, it's speaking of the salvation that is to come to Israel. And he says in verse 3, to give them, he gives them beauty to ashes. And I want to take this scripture for myself, you know. Because it's the same God. I know what the scripture is about. I know the context behind the scripture. But watch this. I love all these context preachers. Here it is. But it's the same God that was there in Isaiah 61. It's the same God that still stands before us today. So the context of Isaiah 61 can still be the context for my life today. So watch this. Isaiah 61. I'm going to grab this context for myself. And says, to give them beauty for ashes. Why can't he give me beauty for ashes? You, church, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isn't this a beautiful verse? Jesus, Messiah, Christ has been made known to us. Should this not mean so much more for us, the believer, that he does this he turns all these ashes and he makes them into beauty. How many of you have had the spirit of heaviness upon you? And the Lord has turned it to garments of praise. Isn't that God? Isn't that what he does? How many of you have had ashes and the Lord has made beauty from those ashes. So church, all I could tell you is, as I get ready to come to the end of today's message is, after reading all these things, enjoy life and do well. Can you say that with me? Enjoy life and do well and put some cologne on. Put some perfume on. As you do well, put some cologne on. If you ever need a gum because your breath smells bad, you know who to find. Seniors the man. Ask him for a piece of gum. But seriously, do well. Do well. Enjoy life with the wife that you love. I get to celebrate my anniversary Thursday. I have an option to enjoy my life with my wife, it even, it even rhymes. Or I could be miserable with my life. Do well. Hey, I, I want to save this for Saturday, but married people, invest in your marriage. Where? Invest in your marriage. You know, there's a reason why divorce is doubling. I don't even know the numbers. Well, it's, it's crazy, the numbers, the statistics. I'm working right now in a school and we're dealing with a lot of things with students, young students. And when you come in and you start to see what's going on in the hearts and the reason that these kids are where they're at, it's because of stuff that's going on at home. 
with mom and dad. If you're married, put the pride down and do well. There's a lot that I could say there, but that's going to be a whole other message right now. He says, I've observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner always wins the race and the longest warrior doesn't, doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Ain't that true? When Goliath thought he was going to beat David. The wise sometimes go hungry. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. I read verse 11 and I get to start reading verses 12 through 15 and all I could tell you is this and you should know this already, I'm sure you do, and it's this, that life can be so unpredictable. Look what he's saying in verse 11. Life's unpredictable. You thought the strongest was going to win. You thought the smartest was going to succeed. But life is unpredictable, ain't it? Look at verse 12. He goes deeper in this thought. He says, people can never predict when hard times might come. It's like fish in a net. They were just swimming one day. And one day a net scooped them up and they became someone's dinner. What an unpredictable life for that fish. Or the bird that was just flapping its wings one day and gets caught in the net. Now you're in a cage. In a cage. Being sold. And you're a pet for the rest of your life. What? I love the rainforest. It's like a fish or in a net or a bird in a trap. People are caught by sudden tragedy. Have you ever felt like that fish that the net scooped you? Or like that bird that was caught in a trap and now stuck in a cage? Sudden tragedy. Bam! Just showed up in your life. Verse 13. Here's another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I've watched the way our world works. He says there was a small town with only a few people and a great king came with his army and besieged it and a poor wise man knew how to save the town and so it was rescued but afterwards no one thought to thank him I, I love this Solomon is <laughs> he, he remembers a story of something that happened about a man who saved the whole town a poor man but yet he was wise and he decides oh I'm going to write about this man he just forgets to give us his name, but he writes about him. He must have thought that this was an incredible story to write it in this chapter. But what do we learn from all this? Life's unpredictable and men quickly forget. Men quickly forget. You could do something great for someone today, great. But that person may forget tomorrow. So make sure you know the reason why you're doing great for someone. Because if it's for them to remember tomorrow, oh my gosh, all your service is going to be of no use. You do great things because God's called you to it. Yeah. Whether they remember tomorrow or not. Because it's going to happen to every single one of you. It already has happened. So what we learn is life's unpredictable. Men quickly forget, but this is what we learn, that God never forgets. Whatever you do on this earth, though man forgets, God will never forget, church. I promise you that. He will never forget the things that you do 
those who know that you are that you are his well do you have scripture i do you could go home and read second timothy 2:19 it says just that not only will god never forget though man forgets he has a book and he has a book scripture says of remembrance for all of those who fear the Lord. You're like, what? God has a book with all of, all of my life in it? He sure does. Read Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. He has a book with your life and its exploits all in his book. He's going to remember all of it. In Luke chapter 10, 20, it tells us also that our names are written in heaven. Can you imagine that? You're here on earth. You're stressed out about the bill that you have to pay this week. But guess what? Your name is written in heaven, baby. Smile. I don't know how the bill's going to get paid tomorrow, but I do know your name is written in heaven. And that's better than that bill. Ain't it? <clears throat> so even verse 16, even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. What they say will not be appreciated for long. Better to hear the quiet words of a wise person than the shouts of a foolish king. Better to have wisdom than weapons of war. But one sinner can destroy much that is good. Come on, life is unpredictable. All these things could happen. Everything that we just read, where do we start? Verse 11 all the way to verse 18. It's unpredictable. It doesn't turn out the way you want under the sun. Sometimes the fool wins and the wise person doesn't. You're like, oh, this is weird. It's, like it's, it's unpredictable. It doesn't go the way you think it should. Everything in your life has gone the way you, opposite of what you thought it should. Like, I wasn't planning for this. Well, life is filled with surprises and it's unpredictable. Church, we're going to end. Here it is. Life can catch you off guard. A baseball term. Life can throw curveballs at you. When you're so used to hitting the fastball, it's so easy in life. Fastball, you just know where it's coming every day. So you're hitting them every single day. But then a curveball comes and you swing. You ever seen someone who gets surprised by a curveball? They look hilarious. They're like... Their body does movements that you didn't think their body could do because why? The curveball surprised them. That's what life does, right? Sometimes we're up to bat and we're hitting home runs. But the next pitch comes and we're like, oh. and you're like, what was that? Life. And sometimes we can find ourselves in a place we never expected ourselves to be in. How did I get here? But sometimes it's for the good. And you're amazed that you're even there. Wow, how did I get here? Sometimes it's devastating. Oh no, how did I get here? But here it is, guys. It's the grace of God that takes you to the heights. And it's the same grace of God that visits you in your valleys. He is still your God. Smile that God is still with you. Amen? I'm going to fly through some verses. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Come on, church, smile. Psalm 46, 1, 2, and 3, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. This sounds pretty tragic to me. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the surging. We're talking about earthquakes and tsunamis. He says, God is our refuge and our strength. Smile. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same. How is he the same? Yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, church, smile. Do well. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Never 
The Lord says, never will I leave you, forsake you. So we say with confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Come on, church, do well. Smile. Proverbs 18, 24, speaking of none other than Jesus, but he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. My Lord, my beloved. Ecclesiastes 9, 12, as we read, that no man knows when his hour will come. We don't know death is coming. But Psalm 139, 16 says, All the days they are ordained for me, they were written in your book before one of them came to be. I belong to God, though I don't understand the hour when it will come. It's all written in his book. And Revelation 21, 5, I end at the end. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Church, if these verses don't make you do well and smile, I don't know what else I can tell you up here. Whether it's the height of life or the valleys in life we're in, the Lord says to every single one of us, I am with you and I am doing a work. Come on, do well as I'm doing well. Philippians 1, 6, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The New Living says it, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. The Lord says, can you stand with me? He says these words to us under the sun. He says, I will complete it. I will finish it. He says, I will return. He says, I will do well. And you're called to do well. I'm going to ask you three questions. I want you to maybe look at the screen if you need to read them over. If not, you can close your eyes and meditate in your heart before we pray. Some questions to reflect on as we've shared all these thoughts today. Question number one. Here's some reflection questions for you. Number one, with your eyes closed, with your heart open, here's a great question to ask. What is your destiny? Take a moment and think about that question. What is your destiny? Number two, on this side, what do you need to start doing well? I want to do well. What do I need to do well in? What's my destiny? And after you've come to answer that, what do I need to start doing well in right now? And the third, last question is, do you need prayer just to trust in the Lord with all your life? You need to come to that place. I need to trust the Lord with all my life so I could do well, so I could be sure of my destiny. I just got to come to the place to trust with every eye closed. If that's you today and you're saying, I just need to trust the Lord with all my life right there where you're at. Can you just surrender to the Lord and maybe stretch out your hands and say, here I am, Lord. I stand here before all these people here, before your presence, and I stretch out my hands as a sign of surrender. With your eyes closed, when a police comes and says, freeze, 
the first thing you do is you surrender and you put up both hands to show that police officer, here I am. All is yours. Don't do nothing. I'm yours. What do you need? Lord, here we are. Freeze. If that's you today with your hands stretched out and you're saying, Lord, I need to trust in you. Lord, I pray for this family. I pray for this gathering. You know, every detail or every person in those whose hands are stretched, they've come to the point of their lives where they recognize, I need to trust in you, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen my brother, strengthen my sister right there where they're at. Pour your spirit over them. Let them know you and trust you. Lord, that they would live their lives doing well, that they would smile, that they would be filled with the joy of the Lord, that they would think of their destiny and recognize I'm going to live my best life right now because I know that when I'm done, it's just going to get better. So I must, I must do the best that I can right now. And Lord, I know that as we share a word like this, there's trouble in some of our lives. There's heartache in some of our lives. There's turmoil. There's confusion. But Lord, I pray that you would make a way because we just read that you are faithful to complete, to finish what you've started in their lives. Show them that you're not just the author, but that you're also, Lord God, the one who finishes the book. You're the one who starts, Lord, and you're the one who ends. Complete complete, Lord, in all of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would call this church, call these families, call every single one of us to do well, to smile hard, to be filled with joy, to make an impact so that others can be struck by the contagious spirit of the Lord that is in us. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. And together we all say, Amen. Come on, give God the greatest praise. It's so worthy. Thank you, Lord. Two things. Just because God is good, two things. All you married folks about to get married, know someone that's about to get married or that is married. Where do I want to see you on Saturday at 10 o'clock? Right here, 10 o'clock. Don't miss it. And for the rest of you guys, get some flyers and pass them out to the world. Easter under the sun. God bless you. You are... Loved! Yeah.